as a rugged stone cross is laying by hand across the spot where 22-year-old Gabby Petito's body was found, the exact spot. Out in Wyoming, the search for Brian Laundrie, the so-called boyfriend, goes on. Take a listen to our friends at Fox 5. Underwater dive teams are joining the search for Brian Laundrie, the person of interest in the death of 22-year-old Gabby Petito, his fiance. A team made up of 10 divers and 60 officers from multiple agencies are focusing on a 25,000-acre wildlife reserve in Sarasota County, Florida, which is where Laundrie reportedly went for a hike before he vanished about a week ago. I tell you, these guys are law enforcement partners. They're motivated and they're hungry to find Brian Laundrie. A heavy police presence outside the Laundry family home. Earlier this week, the FBI executed a search warrant at the residence to collect evidence that may provide clues in the ongoing case. Investigators are now looking into what role Brian Laundry's parents may have played as the case now shifts to a homicide investigation. If their son was innocent, I don't feel that they should have lawyered up as soon as he came back into the state. Welcome to Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us here at Fox Nation and Sirius XM 111. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Straight out to Joe Scott Morgan, Professor of Forensics, Jacksonville State University. You know the old pinball machines where you'd pull back the handle and go pew, and the balls would go everywhere, remember? Oh, yeah. Okay, so that's what's happening right now in my head. Um just what I just heard gives me so many questions, and I'm sure you know, Joe Scott, death investigator, what they are. With me, an all-star panel. First of all, Wendy Patrick, California prosecutor, author of Red Flags, host of Today with Dr. Wendy, KCBQ. You can find her at wendypatrickphd.com. Dr. Jory Crawson, psychologist, faculty, St. Leo University, and author of Operation SOS. Cheryl McCollum, founder, director of the Cold Case Research Institute, Joe Scott Morgan, who you've already heard, Professor of Forensics, Jacksonville State University, author of Blood Beneath My Feet on Amazon, and star of a hit series, The Piketon Massacre on iHeartRadio. Special guest joining us, Emmy-nominated reporter who has been covering the case from the get-go for Fox 13, Sydney Glenn is joining us, and another special guest, Ben Dobrin, Virginia Beach Emergency Medical Services Marine Dive Team and Search and Rescue. He is the dean of the D. Henry Watts School of Professional Studies at Virginia Wesleyan University. My goodness, that's a long website. TDISDI.com forward slash ERDI. I'm not even going to ask. Look. I'm just a JD. That's way too technical. You know, right now we know dive teams have been brought out to Carlton Reserve. Would you play the sound we just heard from Fox 5 one more time? Listen to this, everybody. Underwater dive teams are joining the search for Brian Laundrie, the person of interest in the death of 22-year-old Gabby Petito, his fiance. A team made up of 10 divers and 60 officers from multiple agencies are focusing on a 25,000-acre wildlife reserve in Sarasota County, Florida, which is where Laundrie reportedly went for a hike before he vanished about a week ago. I tell you, these guys are law enforcement partners. They're motivated, 
and they were hungry to find Brian Landry. A heavy police presence outside of a Landry family home. Earlier this week, the FBI executed a search warrant at the residence to collect evidence that may provide clues in the ongoing case. Investigators are now looking into what role Brian Landry's parents may have played as the case now shifts to a homicide investigation. If their son was innocent, I don't feel that they should have lawyered up as soon as he came back into the state. I'm telling you, that Fox 5 News reporter, Phil Blower, really laid it on me. Did you hear all of that condensed information? First of all, we learned that there are, there's not one, two, five, ten divers in the water. We've been telling you how Carlton reserves 25,000 acres of swamp and woodland underwater. About 90%, we've been told, 75 to 90% of Carlton Reserve is currently underwater Right now, it's the rainy season, and I keep hearing people talking about pythons. Pythons are not native to Florida. I know that there are rattlesnakes coming out during rainy season. There are water moccasins coming out during rainy seasons. There are alligators, pythons, but here's the funny thing about Florida. A lot of people get pythons, and then they don't want them anymore. They keep them in a tank, and they let them go, and they actually reproduce and there is a python contingent in florida i didn't know they were at at carlton reserve also we're hearing there's a heavy police presence outside the laundry family home i guess so after they've already let brian laundry slip through their fingers there was a search warrant earlier this week at the home we know that but we took they took out bags of evidence what was in those bags? Um, and they're now looking into the role the parents may have played. Well, it's about time. Let's start at the beginning. Uh, I want to go out to our special guest, Sydney Glenn, Emmy-nominated reporter who has been covering the case from the get-go for Fox 13. I think there are so many questions when you look back to what happened, and maybe it really starts in Moab. So if you've ever been to Moab, Utah, it's a very touristy location. When you think about that 911 call that was just released this week, he's slapping her in the middle of a tourist location. Yeah, right. I understand there was that Wyoming um, restaurant video where they were having a big fight in a restaurant. Then there's the 911 call in Moab. Then there's a body cam video we have also in Moab. I want to circle back right now to the search happening at Carlton Reserve. That is what's happening right now. Um, Ben Dobrin, joining me, Virginia Beach Emergency Medical Services Marine Dive Team. You know, I've dived, I don't know, 300 times all over the Mm -hmm. world. I, I before I had children, of course, because I don't want to risk a dive accident when I have them to raise. But Ben, 10 divers? What is that telling you? Well, 10 sounds like a lot. And I just yeah. want to, I appreciate that you're a recreational and sport diver, but that's a very different endeavor. Oh, than you're not kidding. Diving. I mean, you know, when I was doing recreational diving, especially like on a night dive, there were times you couldn't see in front of your face. You couldn't see your hand. Even in the daytime, much less somewhere like Carlton Reserve. Yeah, I'm looking at pictures of Carlton Reserve. I've never dove there, but we dive the Great Dismal Swamp where I am, and it's it's very similar. And the water's like black paint, coffee, and so if okay, you're wait. sport diving, where you-, you just gave me a visual. The water is like black paint or coffee. Did you hear that? 
I guess, are, do they have lamps on? Lamps don't work. Um, you don't, you, because as soon as you hit the bottom, and you got to remember, all evidence is at the bottom. So you've got to be feeling around with your hands. And so it's mud. And so you're stirring up the bottom. Even if you have maybe a foot or two foot of visibility, as soon as you start searching, it's gone. So lamps don't do anything. Everything, I, I teach my new divers. And so I'm a police diver also. I'm not just an EMS diver. I'm a police diver. I do evidence researches. And this is evidence research. You, you close your eyes because as soon as things start passing, you see things, especially now that you know, now that you've told us there's snakes in the water. Where oh, we dive, yeah. there's snakes. There's snapping turtles. There's all sorts of indigenous creature it's better off just to close your eyes and use your hands you are searching with your hands it also matters what you're looking for i mean a car is very different than i don't know a knife or a gun or a body all of these have very different search parameters and i'm looking at pictures all of this water is surrounded by trees there's trees in the water branches feel a lot like knives so i mean you have to it is a time-consuming endeavor you say there's 10 divers you go through 10 divers very quickly because they will wear themselves out Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Guys, with me, a special guest, Ben Dobrin, a professional diver with Marine Dive Team and Search and Rescue there in Virginia Beach. Will you say that again? Start with it's hot in Florida and they're wearing wetsuits. Well, they're wearing wetsuits or probably dry suits. Um, So it's hot. They're getting worn out quickly. And I'm looking at the satellite picture of this place. There's no paths to, to a lot of these waterways. There's no roads to these so they're having to schlep their gear. Oh, and it's a lot of gear. Hey, Ben Dobrin, you know on TV, you in movies, you see people diving with a little rebreather stuck in their teeth? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's <laughs> that's mostly, I mean, they do exist, but that's mostly in the movies. When you're saying they're schlepping their equipment, it's mm-hmm. a lot. Yes, it is, and it's heavy. And they've got to be wearing full wetsuits or dry suits because you don't want something to bite your leg. No, and the one of the things you have to realize is it's not the Caribbean. It's not the Keys. It's contaminated water. Even though it looks beautiful, you got to remember there's animals that die in that water. There's animals that go to the bathroom in that water. So the water's dirty. Um, and, you know, if we're searching for a car or something or an airplane, there's fuel in the water. So, I mean, what, public safety diving is all about trying to not... We dive encapsulated. We dive in dry suits with dry suit hoods and gloves and full face masks. None of our – I leave the water, and the only only thing that's wet on me is my body because of sweat. I, I'm not actually physically in contact with the water. And so the gear is different in public safety diving, but it's dark, it's hot, and it's an, it's exhausting. I mean, it is these, – these 10 divers, they're going to have to cycle through, and they're going to probably start asking for mutual aid from nearby counties and nearby – other dive teams because you can burn through 10 divers very quickly. You know, what is it, Ben Dobrin? I got a question for mm-hmm. you. When I would come mm-hmm. up from diving, say mm-hmm. an hour, mm-hmm. and I was always cautioned not to stay down over an hour, mm-hmm. I would feel totally exhausted Absolutely. after one hour deep underwater. Why? Does it exhaust you so much to dive? You're moving muscles you're not used to moving. Your, your whole body, when we're walking, we're using some muscles. If you're lifting weights, you're using some. When you're diving, you're using every single muscle in your body, especially if you're not doing it on, you know, regularly. You're also breathing compressed air. You know, when you're breathing compressed air, that dries you out. It dries out your throat, dries out your, you know, you come up and you're really thirsty. I want to have a drink because you're, you're breathing all that compressed air. 
But add the stress, you know, I realize most people haven't actually looked for any evidence underwater. Well, if you're looking for a body, even if you're expecting to find a body, it still startles you. I mean, when you come and you grab a body in dark water, it's, it's kind of, I mean, it's difficult to grab a human body underwater in black water and you have to sit there because we mark it. Evidentiary recovery underwater is the same as on the surface. We have to take pictures. We have to, you know, put a, a buoy on the surface. We have to measure things. It's, for evidence recovery, it's a t- once you find the evidence, it's still time-consuming. Then we have to bring it up. If it's a gun or a computer, we have to bring it up in a package where it stays in the water because then it has to go to the lab. And fingerprints stay on materials if you keep them wet. So we keep everything in a container until it gets to the lab. So what, you put it in a container underwater mm-hmm. and then bring it up? Yes. 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 I hadn't thought about that. You're right. Because once you start passing it up, then you're destroying fingerprints and evidence that could be on it. Absolutely. And it's the same sort of rules with the chain of custody. And so underwater evidence recovery is very similar to above water. Mm. It just adds the element of it's dark, it's cold, it's hot, there's animals. I mean, it adds lots of different, it's much, you know all the rules. I know the rules for recreational diving. (laughs) I don't know anything about. For evidence recovery. Yeah, okay, that I do know about evidence recovery. I'm just thinking about how hot, and for those that don't know, what's the difference between a wetsuit and a dry suit? Well, in a wetsuit, you get wet. A wetsuit is made of neoprene, and what it does is it it feels kind of like a spongy material, but a, a layer of water gets between you and the suit, and then your body heats it up. What a dry suit does is you're encapsulated. Think of it as like a big custom fit hefty bag around your body so the water doesn't actually permeate it. So your body stays dry. And for very cold water or dirty water, you want to be in a dry suit. Wetsuits work in warmer or probably maybe 60, 65 degrees. Anything colder than that, you don't want a dry suit. But in a wetsuit, you'll get wet. In a dry suit, you'll stay dry. And hot. In, down in Florida in a swamp right now. Yeah. Guys, you're hearing the yeah. voice of Ben Dobrin, Virginia Beach Emergency Medical Services Marine Dive Team Search and Rescue. Uh, guys, the search is on right now as the investigation into Gabby's death continues. But a couple of questions, and everybody on the panel, jump in. All right, if you have an idea, identify yourself and jump in. First to you, Wendy Patrick, if they initially said that the search is over, it was indicated they don't believe he's in Carlton Reserve. But then why are they still there, Wendy Patrick? Yeah, well, one of the reasons they're there, Nancy, is that's where his parents claimed that he went. Now, boy, you think that you hope that's true after listening to Ben and what's actually involved in this search. You hope that that's true. They'd be looking maybe for a body, maybe for clues. You know, unless this man is a survivalist, and of course we don't know as much as we'd like to about his background yet, they would hope they'd find something to go on that would lead us to him. Because now that we've classified it as a homicide rather than the other types of categories of death it could be this investigation has changed a bit there's a more sinister tone and they're looking for clues that are going to lead them to uh, the person of interest as we're still calling him guys take a listen to our cut 132 this is Kristen thorne abc7 this afternoon the sarasota county sheriff's office sent divers into the waters of the carlton reserve in venice florida a spokesperson for the northport police department says they're using dive teams boats and sonar equipment in their search for brian laundry but that does not mean anything has been found here it's just part of the overall search process they say they also searched by ground again today we've deployed 
deploy numerous resources and we are trying to cover every acre in this preserve. Straight back out to our friend joining us uh, there on the ground, Sydney Glenn. Sydney, do they have or do you know whether they've got dogs out there as well or are they focused on the water right now? I think we've seen both of that. I mean, when you look for Brian Laundrie's social media, you know he's a very experienced hiker. He's that kind of hiker that goes barefoot everywhere. But when you look at Carlson Reserve, it's very different. It's all water. And why is he still out there? Why are they still looking for him? I know they said they canceled that search because of weather conditions. Mm -hmm. But now they're still there. The car was there. All he left with apparently was a backpack. You can't survive out there with a backpack, no shoes for this many days. I mean, we know he's an experienced hiker, but this is swampland. It sounds like this is almost swimming more. Yeah, straight out to Joseph Scott Morgan, professor of forensics at Jacksonville State. Joe Scott, uh, let's think this thing through. They're back out there today. We know they brought 10 divers, which is very unusual, as Ben Dobrin pointed out. That's a lot of divers. But what led them there? Are they looking for Brian Laundrie's belongings, his backpacks, a knife? What are they looking for? And if the dogs are still there, does that indicate to you that the dogs have gotten a hit? Uh, yeah, it could be. And Nancy, to the peripheral issues of, of evidence, not just him, but anything he may have discarded out there. And they're also looking for evidence that he may have camped there for a while uh, that would lead them to this idea that they can validate that he actually was there. But I got to tell you, I'm kind of at a point now where until I see them bringing him out in handcuffs or a body bag, I'm not going to believe that he's in there because there's so many things that are kind of out of line and out of whack here relative to timelines and how there is such a lack of urgency on the part of the parents. Now, I've worked cases with the ME in Atlanta and the coroner in New Orleans where I've had people that were so distraught because they've been accused of committing a homicide that they went and took their life. And I've had people that have walked out into bodies of water to take their life. And that does, in fact, happen. But why would you walk out into a swamp to take your life? Well, yeah, I think I think probably, well, that's the big question, isn't it? I think part of this has to go to... And uh, why would you take your backpack? I mean... Yeah, and this goes to, does he have, a, you know, a turnout kit, you know, as it's referred to, where you're just going to bolt uh, and, and a bug-out bag, if you will. But, Nancy, there's something that's really making me angry about this whole situation. You know, you remember back a few years ago when we had that nonsensical case of the runaway bride. Oh, yeah. And all of these all of these cops, all of these resources were poured into that. Do you remember what they did to her afterwards? They penalized her. She was actually charged, like, uh, a, 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 an amount of money, you know, toward all of this. Let me tell you something. One of the most precious resources that we have, Nancy, are our people in public safety. Those people that go and stick their necks out on a daily basis. This is a very hostile environment. Yes, and he's making all of them search, risking their lives to try to find him when the only reason we think he's there is because the parents said so. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. The entire social media community has galvanized in the search for Gabby, um, 
the investigation into her death, and now the search for Brian Laundry. Take a listen to our cut 40. Here's a TikToker, C. Barnes. Listen to her questions. This message is for Fox News or Nancy Grace. Who is Brian Laundry? How was he as a child? Where did he grow up? What school did he go to? Did he go to college? Has he graduated college? Has he kept a job? Does he have a job? Does he own a car? Does he own a firearm? Was he ever in a mental health facility? Was he on any antipsychotics? Does he have any exes that can attest to his behavior and how he acted towards Gabby? Why are we not figuring this out? Why? How is this man able to evade the police and the FBI? How was he able to get away with bare feet, a backpack, and a receding hairline? How the heck has he been able to do this? Give us something. Okay, C. Barnes, TikToker, here are a few answers. Uh, Gabby Petito and Brian Laundrie knew each other in high school, but then they saw each other years later and started a relationship. They're both from New York, Long Island. His parents later moved to Northport. Um, it's about 35 miles south of Sarasota and Sarasota County. The parents have been involved for a long time in beverage services. They ran their own business called Juicer Services uh, regarding the sale and service of juice equipment like wheatgrass, organic juices, vegetable juicing equipment. They've been involved with a couple of those companies. Um, regarding their relationship, Joe Petito said his daughter had dated Laundry about two and a half years and that he observed Laundry was always, quote, respectful. What does that mean? How is he going to act in front of the parents? That's one way. And then in front of other people in Moab, he slapped her and hit her, according to a 911 call. Um, the home where Gabby was staying with the Laundry family in Florida, remember her family's in Long Island, is a 10,000 square foot property. It's there at, I think, 4343 Wasaba. Was that the, the correct address? And it's a three bedroom, two bath with a pool in the back. As a child, Laundry was described as quiet and, quote, really nice. As I told you, he grew up in Long Island. He went to Bayport Blue Point High School. That's where he first met Gabby. He was a junior. She was a sophomore. Did he go to college? No, he did not. He just moved home. Did he graduate? No, we don't even we don't think he went to college. What more do we know? Let's see. Uh, the couple both worked at public supermarket, although we've heard different jobs that Gabby may have had. Uh, that was just prior to the road trip, and Gabby had been saving up to go on the trip. I don't know about him. We don't know if he owned a firearm, but there are photos of his bedroom. Uh, that my friends at the New York Post got, and it did show a firearm up on the wall. It was painted like an American flag. I don't know if that was usable. Has he ever been in a mental health facility? Not that we know of. Was he ever on psych antipsychotics? We don't know if he ever was or was not, but at the time of the Moab incident, we heard Gabby Laundry State they don't drink. We have no reason to think that they were on drugs. We also heard them say that they were not on meds. 
Um, any exes? Let's see. Friends describe the relationship as tumultuous. One minute they're happy, the next minute they're fighting. Um, always had a lot of drama in the relationship. Now, that's what other people saw on the outside. So what was it like on the inside? How in the world did he evade police? Let's talk about that for a moment. Dr. Jory Crossan, psychologist, faculty, St. Leo University, and author. I believe he had some help evading police. Yeah, I, I do too. And looking at the behavior of both him and his parents, there's such similarity in controlling. You see, they control the agenda by plugging in the lawyer. They control this uh, appearance and then disappearance. So I would expect him to be in control of the situation, even down in the swamp, if he's not there and he's somewhere else and, say, has already left the country. Well, this is another thing that we know. In our cut 137, uh, this is on Fox The Storm. Listen. You saw Brian and his dad working on one of their campers in the driveway. Charlene, can you tell me about that? Um, I actually didn't. My husband saw that. I, I didn't really witness. Okay, so I William, mean, what did you see in the driveway? Yeah. yeah, well, I, I, uh, I was doing some work in the front yard, and, you know, I noticed that they got, got a new uh, uh, camper for the back of the pickup, and uh, I didn't think anything unusual. You know, they got a new uh, camper, so they wanted to uh, put their own touch uh, inside of it. I saw them doing some work. Um, uh, and um, then when they prepared for their trip, I, I saw them loading the camper. Now, you're talking about Brian and his parents after he returned home, is that correct, in a different camper? Yes. The, okay. uh, the van is, this, is his. Uh, his father has a uh, pickup truck, which they purchased a uh, in-bed camper. Like an attachment and, camper. Uh, and take a listen to this, 138. So, and then you say yes, that yeah. they packed up that camper, Brian and his mom and dad, and they went camping. Do you know that for sure? Uh, we, we saw them, uh, I saw them loading it up. And so I assumed they were preparing for, you know, a, a camping trip with their they, new camper. They were going for the weekend. Yes. Yeah, so how yeah, long, was, after, how a, long it, after he got back, um, you know, alone in that white, van. Um, how long after that was this, when you saw them working on this other camper and getting ready to go away together? Yeah, I, I can't remember, uh, you know, the week, dates. Week and a half. Yeah, week, uh, probably, yeah, probably week, week and a half. Let's figure out what we just heard. To Sydney Glenn joining us, she's been covering this for Fox 13. I'm very curious, did he leave in the camper? with them and never come back. So the neighbors did spot him there at the home in Northport after September 1. But then they all left in a camper. What, if anything, do we know about that, Sydney Glenn? I mean, it sounds really plausible. We do know that he's obviously a big camper. That's his thing. But then the question is, why are his parents saying that he went for this hike? They have that his car over at the reserve it's just you know you just don't really know what his parents involvement are and then they get the lawyer the second that he comes home he never talks to anyone yet they're not scared if they're publicly in front of their house 
packing up a camper. Well, I've got a little bit more information. Let's analyze it. Um, According to a new report, neighbor says they saw Brian Laundry September 11, leave the home with his family, camper attached. It happened before police got Gabby's van out of the driveway. They don't know if Brian Laundry came back. They have not seen Brian Laundry since then. We do know that tip was sent to the FBI. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Okay, Joe Scott, weigh in. You know, I, I think that when they went camping, I'm, I'm curious, did the, did the car happen to leave at the same time uh, when they headed out on this family camping trip? Uh, and and why why would they take it out there? You know, my my supposition through this whole thing, Nancy, is that this is a ruse. This is a ruse to put the police off the target of him. I don't think he's in that swamp. I think he's out somewhere else wandering around. I certainly don't think he's out in that hostile environment attempting to survive, okay? Because I've also heard that the police are using infrared flyover. So if they're flying over that area, they're trying to pick up on any heat signatures that are out there that might bounce back to them to give them an indication. And the infrared technology that they have now is so sensitive, you can delineate between what's a deer, for instance, or a wild boar, and certainly a human being. So they're not picking up on that. Uh, So the big question is, where is he at this point? Did they put him on a boat to go somewhere? Is he still in the state of Florida? I live in Alabama, Nancy. They were saying that, you know, they, they thought that they had seen him here in Alabama. So where is he? He's had sufficient enough time to put distance between himself and that location down there. You know, well, Nancy, Nancy has something. Uh, Jump in. First of all, is that Sydney Glenn? Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, there was that rumor, and I don't know if this is true or not, but there was that rumor that recently he went live on Instagram for just a second, and people claim he was on a boat. So I think a lot of people are wondering, is that true, and is that what happened? You know what? I'm going to circle back to that Instagram, but speaking of the sighting of him down in Okaloosa, take a listen to our cut 129. This is Fox 10 Mobile. People online said this person captured on a game camera in Okaloosa County on Monday looked very similar to Laundry and strongly fit his description. The Okaloosa County Sheriff's Office said that it is not him. They confirmed that, that he was not the one caught on camera. Investigators say they have positively identified the person seen here and say it's an Okaloosa County resident. The man who's not being identified told deputies he was the one walking on the deer trail early Monday morning carrying his backpack. Sheriff's deputies near Baker, Florida, searched the area yesterday and didn't find any evidence that laundry was in the area. Deputies searched on foot and deployed drones for several hours. Investigators familiar with the person noticed the resemblance to the photo. They contacted him and confirmed it was him, not laundry. Investigators who worked on this in Okaloosa County saying there's no indications that laundry is or was ever in their area. 
Straight back out to our special guest joining us, Ben Dobrin, who is a Marine um, rescue expert joining us out of Virginia. We also know that in addition to 10 divers, which I, like you, find to be quite and uh, that's a big number of divers usually have maybe one or two, maybe three in the water. They've got 10, but they're also using sonar. Explain, Ben. Sonar can be used as a couple different models. And what it does is it uh, bounces sound waves off and it, it gives a picture. It gives a visual picture of what's on the bottom. Um, and so, you know, you're going to have to have a little bit of depth. You're not going to do it in three or four foot of water, but, you know, up to five feet beyond, you can use it. Use, there's hole mounted uh, sonar that's, you know, in a lot of ways, if you're familiar with a fish finder on, you know, a recreational boat, it's kind of the same idea as a fish finder, but a little bit, you know, better. And then there's towed arrays. Um, we have things that look like torpedoes for deeper water. And when we go off in the Atlantic or the Chesapeake Bay here, we'll do our towed arrays and we can ri- raise and lower that based on the depth. And that'll throw out a much uh, a better sonar picture. Um, but what you're doing is you're getting a picture of the bottom. And with, with like you said, ten divers, they're gonna they're gonna wear themselves out. So if you have sonar, you're gonna dive when you get a target. You're not just gonna with, with looking at the, the the Google Maps of that place. There's a lot of water there. You can't just search every piece of water. Um, so if you have targets to dive on, that gives you something specific. If I see something in the water that looks interesting, I'm gonna put divers to go after whatever that is that looks interesting there. In the middle, the thick of a nationwide manhunt for uh, Brian Laundrie, Twitter users go wild after they believe Laundrie accidentally live-streamed from Insta, Instagram while on the run. It immediately went viral on Twitter. And it was apparently just a few seconds, as Sydney Glenn pointed out, of Laundrie apparently on a boat This was just days after he, quote, went missing. This led to the search of the nearby Carlton Reserve for laundry, but with no luck. The account allegedly went live and broadcast a couple of seconds of what appeared to be a boat in the water. And it led to all sorts of speculation. I'm looking at it right now. And I'm curious about whether it's really from laundry. It shows the water. It shows the edge of a skiff boat and allegedly from his account. Joining me right now, Cheryl McCollum, director of the Cold Case Research Institute. Cheryl, why are they still at Carlton Reserve if they don't think he's there? And what do you make about the parents with another attached camper? And this was on about September 11. People saw laundry there they all get into it's a truck with an attached camper and leave i think first the camping trip with the parents is very curious to me because you've got an adult son that he knows he's left his fiance somewhere and he decides to go camping with just his parents i mean i find that odd at the very least i find it almost criminal um, if he's been, again, helped and aided to escape and avoid, you know, some type of detection by his family, which is, to me, what it appears has happened. Um, if he was on live on Instagram, that tells me he's got a phone that's got his app downloaded. I, I, I don't know that that was him. I don't want to focus too much on Insta. I'd like to focus on whether or not he has been seen since his parents came back from the camping trip with the new attached camper. Because 
He has not. Yeah, because did you see the significance? That was before cops came and got Cab Gabby's van. Well, let me tell you what else I noticed. On his dad's red truck, there is splashed sandy mud. Where'd that come from? Got a question for you. Cheryl McCollum, um, a lot has been made. And before we get away, I want to play some sound about uh, what Sidney Glenn was telling us earlier regarding the fight in Wyoming. Um, you know what? Let's just start with 135 real quick. Oh, my God. Okay, so I'm going to try to go, like, more into detail now. I just wanted to get, like, the general, just, like, the gist of it out there. Um, I feel like I'm going to cry. This is so weird. Um, I just, I went to the bath. They were sitting right next to us, like, right next to us. And we were both sitting right by the hostess stand, right by the front door. I went to the bathroom. I came back, and they were, like, abruptly leaving. Like, something happened. At first, my, my first, like, thought was like they were displeased with the service and they were walking out or they were trying to get out of paying their bill but it was kind of like a scene and um I was like zoned in for some reason and Matt was like on his phone and I was like babe like put your phone down like something is like going on you guys it was like a scene like something that doesn't happen every day at a restaurant the way he the way he was acting she was crying she was upset this had to have been right before she died and let's hear the rest. I cut 136. This is TikTok user Nina Salee. So she walks out. She's upset. She's crying. And he's, like, more angry. Like, you could tell, like, she's, it's more sadness for her. And she's crying for some reason. I don't know if, reason. I don't know if she was embarrassed or what. Because I don't know. I put it here. I don't know what was going on. I'll, I could just see what was unfolding. And so she's standing on the sidewalk. I could see her through the front door and she's standing on the sidewalk crying. And he walks out with her, but then like right away, turns around, walks right back in. And he's, you know, kind of like violently, like talking to the hostess. And he, you could tell he's angry. And um, and she, they're just kind of like doing the whole like, like, sorry, like we don't know what to tell you kind of thing. You could tell he, he was relentless. He wouldn't drop it. Whatever it was, he wouldn't drop it. He walked out, he walked back in the restaurant probably four more times um, just to kind of make a scene and just to get his point across, which, you know, I don't know what that was. I really don't know what happened, but she just apologized. I think she was telling him, like, come on, like, just drop it. Let's go. And she, like, looked at the hostess and she was just like, I'm sorry. And that was it. Straight out to Sydney Glenn uh, covering this from the get-go for Fox 13. Sydney, what do you make of Nina Seeley's account? It's not surprising to me when you look into all of the accounts coming from friends that he is volatile, that he's mean, that there's ups and downs, that he's controlling. Um, I saw one report even that, you know, he wouldn't let anyone drive her, really. He had to drive her, this controlling, this fighting, and they're not afraid to fight in public. There was another article that came out back to Moab just from one of the Mm -hmm. um, Arches National Parks personnel who said she actually warned Gabby and said, is this really a relationship you want to be in? Are you sure this is a relationship you feel comfortable with? So that just shows how often they're having these type of explosive fights. I wonder what the fight was about at the restaurant. Do we know what it was about, Sydney? We don't know what that particular fight is about, but it sounds like he's fighting with her about everything. I mean, how many of these type of instances have we heard about? I mean, if you'll act like that in public at a restaurant, what will you do behind closed doors? Weigh in, Cheryl McCollum. It is volatile, Nancy. And again, I cannot agree with you more. 
he's doing these things in broad daylight, in public, in front of witnesses, and he doesn't care. He wasn't trying to hide the fact that he was, you know, being aggressive with the wait staff. He wasn't trying to hide the fact in broad daylight, in public, on freaking Main Street, that he is slapping Gabby repeatedly. He has gotten to the level of violence that he can no longer hide it. What are your other insights before we sign off, Cheryl? Um, I think the fact that law enforcement is zeroing in on an area. It may not be that they necessarily think he's there. Maybe they think there's evidence there that has been ditched. As the search at Carlton Reserve goes on, 10 divers risking their lives to find Brian Laundry. we wait to hear the cause of death for Gabby Petito. We know the manner was homicide. Nancy Grace, Crime Story, signing off. Goodbye for now.